last time we can go to see a little bit, derive it on it, and so on. Um, the Rambam is in, in Sonia Torah, Perik Yud, where the Rambam speaks about what did Moshe Rabbeinu mean when he said that HaKadosh Baruch should show him the, all his glory and so on. And the Rambam explained that, this is what we spoke about last time, that he wants to have a very clear sense of HaKadosh Baruch and we dwelled on it a bit. The Ravar over here argues on it, and I wanted to go through the drop. Um, as you know, the Ravid wrote the critical comments on the Rambam, and he's the first person to really argue and argues very sharply, and here he argues at length, so we'll, we'll see it inside. It's the little thing, it's like the little thing sticking around the Rambam on the bottom. Um, that's a quote from the Rambam. The Aleph Aleph is Omar Avram. That's how he always starts his comment. Avram said, I don't really like his answer. He says, He saw at Sinai, and for 40 days he was with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he saw, that no prophet ever saw what Moshe saw. The angels were jealous of him. They wanted to push him. Which is a direct quote from a Medrash. That it says when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemayim to get the Torah, the angels were jealous and they wanted to destroy him, except that Hashem told him to hold on to the throne. Which has its own explanation. But whatever it is, all, all the Ravad wants from it is to say, how can you get more than that? I mean, more than what you saw at Har Sinai and what he saw in Shemayim, and he saw to such a degree that the angels felt put down. So, what else could he want? One. Va'oidi says, If this was his request, Why did the, um, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu continue and tell him the Yud Gimel Midos? You know, Hashem, Hashem, Kelrachim, Vechanim. Which the Rambam himself answers someplace else in, in, in the guide to the perplex, the Mona Vuchim. The Rambam says that he has two requests, and one reply was for one, one for the other. Avali says, And so I'll briefly I'll sign up what he says. He says, basically, Moshe, this, Moshe Rabbeinu was not at all asking that God reveal himself greater. He simply was saying like this, Hashem had said, I will not go with you, um, I'm going to send an angel with you. He said, I refuse to go until you come with us, and show me a sign that you're coming with us. Show me some sort of phenomena which will prove that you're with us. So that is how the Ravid learns. There's one very fascinating comment at the end of the Ravid. Um, Upane Vachorai, take a look at the very last line. Upane Vachorai, what Moshe asked for uh, to see the, the um, front of Avakarish Baruch on the back of it, so Godalhu. It's a tremendous secret. And it's not appropriate to reveal the secret to common people, to, to the people at large. And maybe the one who's writing this, the Rambam himself does not know it, does not understand it, which is a sharp comment of the writer against the Rambam that he had no access to Kabbalah. 
Um, there, so, A, the Ravid's commentary is, is fascinating. There's also a counter comment. If you'll take a look um, at the bottom, there's a safer called Migdal O's. Um, there's a commentary right under the Pirish, Migdal O's. It's like towards the bottom of the page. Who wrote the Migdal O's is very not clear. Um, he is a commentary on the Rambam who tries to um, he tries to answer all sorts of problems that was that was raised on the Rambam. The um, he's not cons- I, I don't know people don't consider his his answers as being the answer, but here there's an interesting footnote that he says. Um, let me just see if I can get to it. It's on, it's on the other side of the page, on the next page. Vasheromas. Vasheromas Harav. It's like right over here. On, on page Lamed Zayin. On Omud Lamed Zayin. Vasheromas Harav Rebavrom. El Mekubal Mipel Peder Koydesh Yikor L'Sirish Hashem Koyri. The fact that the the Ravid is alluding to Kabbalah, and that the Rambam was not privy to Kabbalah, I think he said that the Rambam knew about it in his last years. It is it's it's assumed very strongly that Rambam did not have access to Kabbalah. Um, there's there's certainly not a clue to it in any of his writings. There's certainly a lot of indications against it, um, but he says he knew about. Shani Mayid, I am testify. I saw in Spain, where in my home country, written on an old parchment the following um, statement. When I, um, when I, when I went, when I started looking into Maisa Merkava, be no sibinina kates. I looked into the inyanim of Mashiach. And what the Rambam writes is very similar to the Gubalim writes. I saw another tshuva from the Rambam. The Rambam states, He started explaining all the Agados in the Gemara the way he wanted to. He saw that after explaining it, it still was not clear, and he thinks that these type of things remain hidden, and so on and so forth. So he wants to understand from this that um, he, he, uh, the Rambam had access and was privy to Kabbalah. I mean, his, his proofs are not terribly strong proofs, there's another work written by, it, it, it's, it was written by the Radzina Rebbe, who was an awesome, awesome Talmud uh, Chacham, and very deep thinker. He's, he wrote, uh, there's for him, it's called Sod Yesharim. He wrote a Holak Dhamma trying to prove that the Rambam, you find clues in the Rambam that it access to Kabbalah. The clues are brilliant. I mean, there, there, there's some of the things that are just mind-boggling. 
Um, for instance, I, I mean, but it's still, it's still what you're convinced when you finish with it is that he was a genius, the one who wrote it, the Red Zeno was a genius, <laughs> you, but you, you're less than convinced. I'll, I'll give you some examples. But, but they are, I mean, he has 35 points that he matches up. First of all, the Rambam, um, the, the, the Rambam writes reasons for all the mitzvahs. And he goes through them. Fairly straightforward, simple reasons. He goes into the reasons for everything in the base of Mikdash. And, you know, the reasons are this is beautiful, and this is nice, and this is a cover, and this is a dignity, and this is this. Very, very straightforward, simple reasons. Now, he's, he gets to the lechem upon him. He says, I don't know the reason for lechem upon him. That's the bread he put on. Which is quite strange, because it was so easy with the Ramam's flow to put in some lechem upon him. You know, it, it, it's not hard, but the Ramam says, I don't really know the reason for this. Fine. Darizal, when he writes in his in his in his um, pismon for Shabbos, he when he writes about the different things of Shabbos, he writes Yigalalon Taima the trace in a hammer. Me'akadosh Baruch who revealed to us the taste of the twelve chalos, which is lechem upon him. So meaning he he implies that the Arizal did not either have the key to understanding it, that this is something that in Kabbalah also is not clear as to the reason for it, which is remarkable that. You know, th- th- that should match up. One. Then he has things that the Raman wrote about Ketoris that are strikingly similar. Where else does he have like that? He has, there, there are a lot of things that are, uh, really, really show a lot of genius on, on him. I don't know if they're convincing 100%. There's also um, the Avodos HaKodesh, which was a very early semi-Kabbalah work, also brings this down. Uh, it's, it's an interesting... Um, Footnote to history, I guess. It's, uh, uh, he, here he speaks a little bit about how it came down the us uh, the the, the Mesoros of Kabbalah and. This. <coughs> ah. He brings the following Nusach. He speaks about Kabbalah versus philosophy. Um, he brings a truth of the Rivash. Then he says, Umilon. Um, he says some of the people don't want to learn Kabbalah bring proof from Gedolim who did not learn Kabbalah so he says and who is as great in philosophy as the Rambam when he found this diamond of Kabbalah he threw away all of the garbage one of the Bali Kabbalah who explained the Ramban's work, wrote the following point, that Rabbi Yaakov went to Mitzrayim and gave over Kabbalah to the Rambam, and he was so happy with it, but um, he was upset that he, that he only found it after he had written all of his farm. So th- those are... Uh, bits and pieces that float around about it. Just, just an interesting side note. It's not, it doesn't have to do with this, but since it's mentioned here, I thought it would be interesting to bring it. 
There's one more, um, one of the important explanations to Ramam's question is worth um, giving over that actually he gives the Avodos HaKodesh. What did Moshe Rabbeinu want when he asked Makadosh Baruch who show me your glory? And he said, Lo yirani adam v'choy. And then he, he told him the Yud Gimel Midos. What's the connection of Gimel Midos to what he asked and so on? So the Avodos HaKodesh says the following. The Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu asked Makadosh Baruch Hu, tell me why Tzadik Veralo, Rosh Vatobu. The ultimate question on Amuna is why sometimes good people suffer and why sometimes bad people have it good. That's ultimately the problem. So <coughs> that was with Moshe Rabbeinu, and that Moshe Rabbeinu said, Yohanan Vachoy. So the, the, um, he explains it as follows The ultimate Amuna of a person is of Hashem Echot. That's really where Muna heads to. That all of the events that happen come from one source and it is, it, it, it's behind every phenomenon in the world. If we, if we explain it rationally, for instance, if I were to see that good people were always rewarded and bad people were punished, so that's one God. That's, that's quite easy to see. You know, it's, it's one point and there. The problem is we don't see it that way. We see a lot of mixed messages, which seem to indicate there are a lot of things that affect it. Sometimes chance, sometimes nature, sometimes circumstance, sometimes forces. Depending on what you believe, the easiest explanation is that there are two elements at work. Just like um, science likes clear formulas. If something consists of two patterns, for instance, it, it, the easiest way to explain an orbit of a planet is an ellipse or something of that nature. But if you've got two phenomena, you say there's both an orbit and it's a rotation around this axis because the orbit is not going to explain night and day no matter what you do with it. So, so you, you say, you know, there are two forces working on it. If, if you shoot a bullet and it doesn't follow the straight line of a, a, traje a trajectory, then you know there's a wind blowing someplace. There's, there's another element affecting it. So whenever we can't come up with a simple and straightforward cause and effect, the right answer is there are two causes, and that's why it depends on other things as well. The pro so therefore, when we see Tzadik Viralo, Russia Vitovlo, we say like this, we can't tie this back the way we see it to one God who likes good and hates evil. It does. So there are, there are laws of nature, there are circumstances, there are other factors at work, Depending, or, or there is no God, but, but all of those, those are the real issues that drive everything back to this problem. What Moshe Rabbeinu, the ultimate knowledge that a person can strive for is understand how it all connects to God. How is it possible that, where exactly is that thread that, that everything comes from? Um, and to quote the language that the Avodos Kodesh uses, where does, where does the Where's the point at which God begins to spread out, so to speak? Where's the point at which it begins from that one emis, the Tzadik Vitovlo, the Tzadik Viralo, the Rosh Vitovlo, the Rosh Viralo, all come out? Let me get that point. Sakharish Baruch Hu told him, Lo Yurani Adam V'choy means there is no, a person cannot survive if he were to understand it, because then a Muna becomes meaningless. There is no nisoyal not to put your hand into a, a socket because 
you know you get zapped when you do it. Everybody's probably experienced it when he was a kid, and everybody stuck his share of keys into, 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 the, in, into the electric sockets, and uh, he, he, you know, he, that's it. So people say, well, why doesn't God strike you dead when you're Mechal Shabbos? Then, then keeping Shabbos would not be a meaningful act. It would be the same reason why people don't jump out of windows, why people don't, don't uh, you know, put, put hands in electric sockets. That, that's, that's a, a teva. So a person could not perceive God and his role in the world perfectly and remain in any way a, a functioning human. He would, do, he would just be a robot doing, you know, staying away from harm and, 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 and uh, doing what's good for him in a very physical way. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, I will give you one revelation that has a taste of that, and that's the Yud Gilmamidus Rachman. In other words, the way the, the quote of Avodos HaKodesh is, where God's ultimate good shines through even at a time when he seems to be not around. The Yud Gimel Midas are an ultimate request for Rachman HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even when the entire system of Midas Adin protests it. And therefore, and, and therefore he, was, he, he was giving him over, this, this is a taste of it. It also kind of explains the Kesha shot film. It says Akadosh Baruch Hu showed Moshe the, the, the knot of the film. Kesha film Harold Anab. Akadosh Baruch Hu showed Moshe the knot of the film, which symbolizes, which sort of represents. The film works like this you have something on, on top of the, the cerebrum, on, on top of the thinking part of the head. And there's a strap that comes around and connects it with basically the cortex. Uh, that's the basic area of it. It's, it's the place where the spine, uh, it's, as far as we can feel, sort of links up with the head. Uh, there's where you have the knot, and then you have two strands coming down this way. It, they, they sort of express the point at which the moach ends and the activity begins. The place where um, what HaKadosh Baruch has in mind sort of flows into the world around. So we don't see above that knot, but that knot is, so to speak, where it comes together at a certain point. Uh, or it, it, so it's the ultimate that a person can see within the Hashkacha. Higher than that, where, where that comes from, that's beyond man's. So Moshe Benu had the highest percent, but the issue was not the way the Rambam says, knowing that HaKadosh Baruch exists, so to speak, which seems to be the the the, the pashtup shot of it, not like the rivet says that it was bechlal not a, a, any deep request of it, but just a, a, a sign of of Hakadosh Baruch Hu um, coming uh, being knowing them, but rather it's a whole new union. It's understanding where the yichud of Hakadosh Baruch Hu flows into the world around. That's the way he, he expresses it. That's uh, it's avodas Hakadosh, and and it is and it is the understanding that a lot of People from that strain basically relate to it. Okay. Yudalf. Vikivushin is barer. Sheeno guf. By the way, uh, just an ancillary footnote to this point. There's there's a the the third Lubavitcher Rebbe was called the Tzemach Tzedek. Tzemach Tzedek was. Uh, recognized as an immense Talmud Chacham, as an extraordinary Talmud Chacham. He was the first Rebbe to be sort of accepted by the literature world. 
some people maybe say the last, but but uh, <laughs> at least uh, the the um, he was recognized and was had a lot of had interaction with the Litvish world, who respected him highly, and he himself had a lot more of the hallmarks of belonging to the Torah world. It, it, you know, it, it was a place where basically it was a much a, a coming closer to that world. He was a tremendous genius. He wrote um, wrote Charles Chuvis they have of his. He also must have written about a quarter of a million pages of of um, Pirushim and Chassidus and Jewish. He used to write, I think they wrote about him that he wrote so quickly that the page would not be dry at the beginning when he got to the end. He, he was a voluminous writer. I mean, they have, I, I mean, I, I have, they've, they've put out, one of the things they put out is a collection of pieces of his works that takes up a, a full shelf. In a, in a, I mean, it, a really, really prolific writer. And I saw a piece of his, I don't know if it's his or it's from the Balatanya, because he, a lot of it is, he takes the Balatanya and explains it, but the point he writes is as follows. The mitzvah of Amuna, he postulates, does not exist where Yediyah is possible. In other words, to understand that there is a creator, since one can kind of lay it down rationally and axiomatically and, 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 and sort of it makes a lot of sense, the mitzvah over there is to understand it with your seichel, because it's something the seichel can come to grips with, that there's a God, that there's a shkoch, and so on. Um, the place where emunah really comes into play is where it's intrinsically not comprehensible to a person. Those things that people cannot understand, not because they just happen not to understand it, but they really can't understand it, that's where the mitzvah of emunah is. And that's why he says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekein Hashem Echad is the mitzvah muna, because we're, to believe that Hashem exists is something that the mind should be able to have developed. To believe that, that Hashem runs the world is something also a person can kind of sketch it out, personal experience, history, stuff like that. What's really, really difficult to do is to, to understand how the good and the bad both come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How the Tzadik Viralo and the Rosh Hashanah are part of that same scheme. That's something that the mind cannot understand. And that's why the realm of understanding is not there. It's only the realm of Emunah. Emunah is specifically Hashem Echad because Yediyah is not possible. No matter how well you'll explain it, no matter how well you understand it, you will not understand it. It's, it's something that's above the line of, of where understanding was drawn. Um, by the way, let, let me add a comment to this because it, it, there's a Rashi that says that, and, and in a certain sense, this is this I think is the point where science and religion really are, are at loggerheads in, in a very very basic way. Rashi says like this: Goyim will come to you. Actually, we read it this week in the Paraduma. Goyim will come to you, and they will mock you, and they'll say, "What sense is Paraduma? Like, does Paraduma make sense or not?" So they'll say. Um, it's, so the answer is, so he, so he says, it's a chok, and you're not allowed to think about it. So I don't understand the dialogue. Either start by saying, Rabbi Isai, Torah and uh, the chok part of Torah should not be thought about. Forget about the introduction, forget about the guy coming and saying, hey, what kind of stupid law is it? Say, you know, there's some things you're, you're not allowed, the things you're not allowed to touch, the things you're not allowed to use, and you're not allowed to think about chokim. If the guy is asking the question and it bothers you, why I think it's so stupid? So, so, so don't tell me it's also like don't pull the religion on me. If he's asked the question, put me on the spot. Okay, so what do I answer now? 
also to talk about. Okay, you know, it's it's, it's uh, off the. Now they have a whole series of, of, of you know how speakers cope with difficult questions. We'll, we'll get to that point soon. Well, you know, it 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 really deserves a lecture of its own. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's like a whole slew of ways how to. Uh, someone told me, <laughs> he heard somebody, this person had a position of, of a great rabbinical position, but was kind of short on scholarship. And this person gave a, a shiur at a, at a yeshiva. This was in Israel. And someone asked him a really tough question. So this person was very pompous, drew himself up to his full height, said, that question, please take up with your teacher when I leave. Like, it's, it's beneath my dignity. We'll, we'll let your teachers take care of it. That, that was the... So, so, but what kind of answer? You know, the guy comes and says, I don't understand you. You know, this doesn't begin to make sense. Uh, you know, it's a red cow, and you burn it, and you sprinkle dust, and you touch dead bodies, and it's metar satmeya, metar satora. So, 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 there we say, right, one second, it's, it's also hard. So, I, I once heard of Vart B'Shem, Reb Chatzul Levenstein, and, and I'm saying it over a little bit differently. A per, a Kaddish Baruch Hu had a, 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 a mission that he wanted humans to accomplish. So, film, so he gave him hands, uh, you know, tzedakah, he gave him packets. Every single mitzvah, every single organ of a person was cut to fulfill a mission. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted man to understand a lot. So he gave him a brain that could understand. What was not given to understand, there's no brain. In other words, it's not, it's not that the brain came first, and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, said, hmm, let's see if we can sort of, you know, uh, 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 what we could teach him. It's the other way around. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave certain mitzvahs to do, certain mitzvahs to say with your mouth, certain mitzvahs to think about, and certain mitzvahs not to think about. Certain mitzvahs were not given in the realm of understanding time and mitzvahs. For those mitzvahs, we don't have the required brain cells that could process it. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't just give us a brain, like, you know, it didn't just evolve, and, and Akash Baruch just give us a brain and then kind of uh, interact with the Torah. Akash Baruch gave us equipment to deal with what he wanted. And those parts that don't have a makom as a gilu of, of seichel and chachma, there is no brain for it. So that's exactly what we're answering the Goyim. And, and there's something there very, very, um, it, it's, it, it goes to the heart, like I told you, between science and religion. Uh, a scientist's attitude, and I would say a, a person who's a priori secular says the following. The only thing that's certain in the world is the brain. In the sense that my sense of certainty is the brain. You know, like all those silly philosophical questions, maybe you're all dreaming. Mm-hmm. It's possible, but that's the reality I live in. And you know, I, I can't get out of my bubble. It's a silly, it's a silly time. I might be dreaming, but, but it, that's the ultimate. I, I can't think beyond that. So my, my mind is the only thing I can be sure of. The thoughts that I think is the only thing I can think. That is really the, the premise of a secular person, a, 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 and a scientist in a secular sense. And therefore, that which does not come into the realm of understanding simply does not exist as far as I'm concerned. If I can't describe it, if I can't... Whether or not there are angels, if angels define something that can't be seen or felt or heard, is simply a non-scientific Entity, it just doesn't fit into science. The same thing, any mitzvah, the Torah itself can be brought into the mind. The point of reference is: does it fit? Does it not fit? 
the, the religious person is coming with a very different perspective. Seichel and understanding are the best tools that Baruch gave us, the most important tools. But the first thing is existence is HaKadosh Baruch That's the only certain existence. The brain is an organ with which I can with which I can get a very large grip on it, but it's only part of the picture. The point of certainty is the Torah. And everything else is part of the picture. So the real dis- distinction is um, really like what is the basic person? What is the basic mitzvah? What's the basic reality that you can really touch and say this exists? That's, that's really, in a, in a sense, the basic difference. Okay, let's see in the realm a little bit further. Halacha Yudalef. V'kivan shen izbara. We might actually finish the parak today if, if we're not careful. V'kivan shen izbara. She'eno gufa gviya. Since we've explained that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not a body, yisbaya shalo ya'aru v'lo echad mimeoros haguf. Not any one of the physical phenomena apply to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Meaning, besides limbs and organs that he quoted before, there are also no prepositions that really fit a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Above, and he'll explain, lo chibur lo pirut, joining, disjunction, junction, disjunction, lo makom lo mida, place, size, velo aliyah velo yerida, up, down, velo yemin velo small, right, left, velo panem velo achar, front, back, velo yeshiva, velo amida, not sitting, not standing. In other words, besides physical organs, physical organs are as if describing God himself. These are putting God in the context of a physical world. Higher, lower, straight, right, left. Those are all physical coordinates, which, so besides when it says the hand of God, but it says that doesn't exist, there's no such thing as a hand, but when it says the right, you mean Hashem, the right hand of Hashem, there's no such thing as right or left, or front or back. And he mentions one more thing here, which I think is important to explain a little bit. The bizman, he is not within time. He is not within time. so that there's a beginning and an end, uminyan shanim, and a number of years. The there's no change. because there's nothing that causes change. I, I want to explain a, a point about this. Everyone says Akharish Baruch is above time. Time doesn't exist. Akharish Baruch so on. What does that mean exactly? I mean, I mean, it's very easily said. What does it mean he's above time? He created time. I mean, people go on from the very philosophical things about time being a continuum, and it's like a flow, and it's like this. But, but all those things don't mean anything. What does it mean when we say HaKadosh Baruch is above Zman? In, in what way? So the definition of time, the Maral uses this when he speaks about, about Pesach. This is actually quite relevant, about Bechipazon. Um... Actually, let's let's um, let's take it. Let's take Purim also. You know, that's not a bad idea. We we have Hamantash in here. Hamantash and Zul Shema. We 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 can do a Hamantash one. It says there's a mission that says Hakara Lemafreya. If you read the Megillah out of order, Lo Yotza, he's not Yotze. So, someone pointed out a very good reason for it. The Megillah, Kriyas Yamsuf, whenever it happened, was a nace. Kriyas Yamsuf, whether it happened on a Sunday or on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday, or if it's Chav Gimelissan, someone says, nah, it didn't happen Chav Gimelissan, it happened Tezvav Nisan. It doesn't make it less of a nace. The context of a nace is because it's simply just an extraordinary phenomenon. The story of Purim is not a miracle 
unless you read the story as a story. What was you know there was this plot, and then there was picking out um, and the, the the king getting angry at Vashti and and killing her, picking out the the, the girls, finding out if any of these steps were not to have happened, then it would not be a miracle. So if you take the time element out of it, if you mix up the story, then you lost the nice. Reading Pesach material, not in order, you know, whether the, whether the plague of Sfardeya happened after Kinim or before Kinim, doesn't mix up the story terribly. But, but in, in the Megillah, it, it, it messes up the story terribly. The whole story is the, the continuum of events. So, so okay, that's, that's the time over there. What, what do we mean when we say time? The, the, anything, imagine a world that is totally static, like a frozen picture. A picture that's frozen and, 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 and there's nothing there. So can we say this picture is a year old, two years old, three years old? If there's no change, then that statement is meaningless. In other words, let's say I have the frozen picture, and, and in the picture I'm sitting there like this, and there's no physical, the, the picture doesn't get faded. So there's no change. And saying that this picture is two years old or three years old or four years old is meaningless. I could say I took it three years ago, but, but I can't really say... You know, time is the measurement for change. Anything and change and cause, effect, and, and, and result, all of that transpires within time. If you have a dynamic process where something changes, you've got time. Even forgetting about time in the sense of how long, but steps, like, like when you do a problem and uh, like when you do when you do a, 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 a program for a computer, there's step one, step two, step three, step four. How long it takes, the quicker the chip is, it'll take quicker. But the point is, it's always you can't have step two before step one. You can have step four before step three. It, it's it's cause and effect. That is time. Time is a it's a measurement of change, and it's a me- and 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 therefore it consists of steps, and that's why. Time is, relates to a world of change, and it is, consists of the steps of change. Now, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself is immutable, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself had nothing caused him to come into, into being, there is nothing to change in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will never cease to be. So the word time as regards HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is meaningless. For me, 10 years means I look different. I change. For my picture that I have of 10 years ago, I can't say this picture is 10 years old. How come I didn't get bald on the picture? And how come my beard didn't turn white? Well, the picture ain't going no place. It's there. A person changes. I look different 10 years later than the 10 years before. Since Akarish Baruch Hu, there is no point of change in Akarish Baruch Hu. There is no, there is no, there is nothing about a Kaddish Baruch Hu which I could possibly say cause and effect. Kaddish Baruch Hu is immune to causes. Nothing, nothing is there because of something. It's all intrinsic, Kaddish Baruch Hu. So therefore, a Kaddish Baruch Hu is above time, and that's what he says. Um, um, he's not. He's not a being within time, so that beginning, end, or amount of years could be meaningfully said about him. And he does not change. 
שאין לו דבר שיגרם לו שינוי. Because there's nothing that could possibly cause a change. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not affected by anything, so there's no cause and effect. What, what changed HaKadosh Baruch Hu? There is nothing that can affect HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, so, so how do you put into context in the fact that we have free will and God responds to our actions, that, that we, we are partners in creation and things like um, that? Yes. It elicits sort of a response, and yet... Um, okay, the... the uh, he does speak a little bit about it later. In, 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 a, in, a, in a macro sense, the question about does God's understanding change? And it's just like you today are different because you know tomorrow you're going to know who won the basketball game tonight. I only know it was a game because I'm going to free ticket. <laughs> so, and I assume the Wizards are basketball team. So, so that I, I put tomorrow you will have another brain cell that will say the Wizards won or lost. And, and therefore you have changed. The question is posed: If 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 our if we have free will, and we cannot really, and, and Akadosh Baruch Hu does not interfere with free will, so when he finds out what we did, does not change. I mean, that's the way the the, the, the question is put. It's a, it's a little bit of kind of blunt way to put it, but it's but it's sort of put that way. Um, on that, the Rambam's answer is basically that that paradox of free will and God's understanding is something we can't deal with. And, and we'll, we'll see later. The only point that the Rambam does make is the following. When we say God was upset that, if, 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 that, that Kalal Yisrael sinned, or God was happy to do the right thing, when I say about myself I was upset, I'm talking about a change that, that, that someone impressed on me. You did something bad, you made me feel not good, made me feel upset. I was the passive being, and you're the active being. You did something nice, you may feel good, there are, there are physiological effects of feeling good, there are physiological effects of feeling bad, or stressed, and so on. So, so when I speak about a person being affected by someone else's actions, it's as if the active component is the doer, and the one who received it is, is become affected by it. When it says, HaKadosh Baruch was upset, unless in the next one he says, or HaKadosh Baruch was happy, it means how HaKadosh Baruch Hu reacts or interacts. It does not mean that he was affected. And that's what Pasuk says. If you'll sin, you didn't cause me any harm. And, and if you, and, and if you uh, did good, you didn't cause me any, any, any good. Um, if we can give some parallel to it, and again, the parallel is kind of weak, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to find an analogy to it. Let's say I need to know the answer to some problem. I, I'm building a house, and I need to know how much paneling do I need for the house? So I pick up a phone and I call the guy, and, or I call some maven, and he tells me. So I was missing that knowledge. I needed it. He supplied it. If he doesn't tell it to me, I'm upset because I, because I needed some knowledge and so on. Let's say a teacher is teaching kids, and the teacher puts a problem on the board. So-and-so has a house of X amount of walls, this and this height, this and that. How much paneling does this poor guy need? To, to, to the house. And the kid tells the teacher, I ain't telling you. You know, figure it out yourself. You know. <laughs> so now, is, does the teacher really, is the teacher missing anything if the kid is not telling her how much paneling? Besides the fact that the teacher probably knows herself how much paneling, or she can look in the answer book at least, but, but, but it, that question wasn't there because I needed it. That question was because I want to bring out of you some knowledge. I want you to understand it and so on. 
So, so I would be upset if, if my teaching is not going well. But I, I wouldn't be upset because I don't know how much padding to put. But it, the, the thing is, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu's, it's not that I've prevented from giving him something he needed or vice versa. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have the needs and therefore he's not quote-unquote personally affected by the good or bad we do. But in the relationship, it, there is an effect. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's relationship sours when we don't do our part and, and, and so on. That's really the way to go about it. That's the... Is yeah. there something wrong with saying things that of time? You made it sound like mm. it's less of an answer. No. There are, people have explained I know, that. but I, I, I don't buy the explanation. I just feel, there's nothing wrong with saying it. But I don't think it's possible, I don't think we know what we're talking about when we say that. It, it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't, I don't know, I, I somehow don't think that it's genuine. I think you can talk about it, you can make the analogies. It just doesn't click to me. I, if you feel comfortable, there's nothing wrong with saying it because those words exist. I can talk outside of time. I just have to figure out what that means. You know, it just went, so here I have an understanding of it. Time is the change of anything, which is what time is. And someone who is, there is no such thing as change. If you build a perfect machine and, you know, it doesn't break down, how could you tell if it's, if it's, if it's 10 years old or, or one day old? If, if, you know, you couldn't tell. You can only tell by the changes in it. And, and some that's, that's not, it's like the difference between me and the picture. You can tell the age. For me to say I aged, is a meaningful statement because there, there are biological changes. For a picture, to say this picture is 20 years old is a meaningless statement. I mean, I could say I snapped a picture 20 years ago, but, but it's not 20 years old. It, it's the same picture. It looks exactly the same. That's the... But I know people say it. I just don't, I mean... I told somebody once, there was a boy in Eshatara, uh, one of the beginners programs a long time ago, and he was saying that something about God being infinite, he can imagine it, he has some way of... I told him beating up the wrong bush. You can't imagine infinite. By definition, it means that it's not, you can't get a handle on it. I said, when we speak of God's infinity, I'll tell you what we mean. I, I, you can only imagine the following way. A coffee machine needs to be filled with coffee. So if I have a one-gallon coffee machine, I need to buy one-gallon coffee, and if four people drink a glass of coffee, I have to change it every day. If it's a, a, a ten-gallon, so so. If somebody were to get me an infinite coffee machine, it would simply mean I do not have to bring a thermos of coffee from my house because there will always be coffee there. I can say that statement, and that's a meaningful statement. I can't imagine. Human mind does not imagine. I, I just don't know what those words mean above it. it it's correct, but unless I get something to, to hold it on with, I, I just, I'm not comfortable with it, that's all. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay, one more thing. It Death and living, in the sense that we speak of living, doesn't exist, even though it does say a live God. And it does speak about it. It says, the living God, which in the Pashto explanation simply means a true God, as opposed to, to Avodah Zarah, which is, nor is there knowledge and wisdom like a wise person. This is a very important point that Rama makes. Certainly we speak of God's wisdom. God is seen as wise. Living and dead, might, even living, might be seen as, 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 as a physical term. But when we say God is smart, yes, we always say about God and his wisdom. So he says, but that wisdom is not of the same system as our wisdom, and therefore, therefore limits that we place on, on knowledge doesn't apply to Kodesh Baruch Hu. Lo shinov, lo neither sleep nor being up, lo kas, lo neither anger nor 
um, happiness, lo simchalatzvah, happiness or depression, lo yishtikov, lo dibur, kedibur adam. Neither being quiet nor speaking as people speak. So again, the Rambam adds this little comment for reason. It does say, God spoke. The Dibur itself exists. There, are, there is a phenomenon where God presents Dibur, but it's not as the same as a person. People can understand God. God can make him communicate with people. And the person can hear a voice. But it's not Dibur the way people understand it. They said, there is not in Shemayim, there is no sitting, no standing, there is no backside, and there is no um, tiredness. In other words, both backside and tiredness are sort of a physicality. A person's front side is more kind of his spiritual side, and his back is, and, and tiredness is also when a person is schlepping around the body, there's a certain tiredness. So besides physical entities that don't exist, physical um, physical descriptions of moods, situations, any descriptions about God also don't share anything in common with, with, with human uh, uh, entities. Okay, we'll hold it here. This is your love.